0: Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Good morning, everyone. This is Sean Fleming coming to you live on The Wealth Standard Radio. It's a sunny, sunny morning here in Salt Lake. I think it's almost too sunny. It's almost like we're being spoiled at the same time other parts of the country are kind of taking it hard. But it was a beautiful drive-in this morning. I've got a very special guest with us today and his beautiful wife. Um, I'm, I'm going to pause on this for a moment, but uh, this is really exciting because um, they drove a long way to be with us here this morning. And it's almost a shame that we've only got an hour because there's so many things that we can talk about. But I want to introduce Gary Lee Price. Gary uh, Price is a sculptor, world-renowned sculptor and he's here with his beautiful beautiful wife Lisa Price and what you know this is a little little uh, zag from what we normally do you know the well-standard radio is about all things financial and we like to take an approach where we're offering up suggestions and truths and then letting our audience our readers our uh, our clients make their own decision and those things all they're all based on principles right a lot of times, the management of wealth is very left-brained. And Gary, we've got you on here today, and you're not a left-brained guy. You're an <laughs> artist. The, the management of wealth tends to be left brain but the creation of wealth tends to be right brain And that's a completely different, different approach. I want to just set some context, and then I really want to spend most of the time listening to you and Lisa and some of the exciting things that you're working on. Thank you, Sean. We'll use that as a metaphor for our clients today and our listeners. But, uh, Gary, I want to read something here. This is from your website, and uh, your website is garyleeprice.com. And it starts out, it says, Gary Lee Price sculptures capture the unique human spirit. This is the essence of his work. This is his life's journey. Literally thousands of Gary Lee Price sculptures are in public and private collections throughout the world. One of the largest libraries in the world, the Hong Kong Central Library, is graced by the recent acquisition of 12 Gary Lee Price life-size bronze sculptures. This impressive display includes bronzes of intrigued um, young readers, happy children, releasing doves, boys and girls playing with shells in water, um, some holding beautiful flowers, and others soaring through the air as though weightless. Additionally, Two round frogs, puff princes, are stationed as sentinels in the entrance of the children's library. This list goes on and on, Gary. I mean, I've got a long page of places all over the world where your art is, where it's inspiring people. And to me, that's just really incredible. Thank you. Um, I've got a beautiful sculpture. We have a beautiful sculpture right in front of us here. And I'm going to hold that for uh, later but it's a shame our listeners can't see it they'll get a chance to see it if they go to the website but this is pretty exciting and we're going we're going to kind of cap this off with that topic but the discussion um, that I, I really want to set the context for is what what is the source of wealth but before we get into that Gary I want to know more about you you and I met um, three years ago. The three of us met three years ago down in San Diego. It was a mutual friend that introduced us at a wonderful event. Yes, where a whole bunch of people uh, were very inspired for the year. Um, you know, the uh, the connection that people have at events like that is sometimes very profound. But uh, my wife and I bonded with you guys immediately, and. Part of that is just your spirit, your nature. I want to hear a little bit more about you before we get talking about some of these other things.
1: <laughs> I, I like what you said about our instant connection, Sean. Um, my one of my fundamental theories is is um, you know the idea of energy and and frequency and the the vibration that we're all on. Like attracts like, you know. There's a saying birds of a feather. And, and, and it, it, it seems as though as we continue on our journey of life that we end up attracting those that are like-minded, Yeah. you know, you, you, you can be with others for a while that you're not on the same frequency in that, but the people that we really hang out with, we end up, uh, uh, being on that same frequency and it's exciting. You know, I mean, when you, when you're on path as Kevin Hall our good mutual friend would would say when you're on path and you're about things that hopefully lift others that serve others that are for the benefit of mankind and humanity you just end up coming into contact with with these people that that want to do the same thing you know we're all we're all on this journey together and and it, it's just exciting it's like oh my gosh you know, they said that, and I believe that, and they inspired me to do that. And then you just, it's a synergistic um, energy that is never-ending, and its source is never-ending because it's a higher source. It's a higher frequency that we all aspire to. So it's 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 pretty dang exciting, isn't it?
0: Very well said. You know, here we feel like we're blazing a trail sometimes, but what you just said is what we experience. We attract those that, you know, hear that message and really want to make a difference in their lives financially. Right. But if you're not going to tell me more about you, I want to hear it from Lisa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would be happy to share a little bit more about Gary, you know, and I want him to share a little bit from his own words, but... You know Gary came from a rather challenging life which many of us do and many of us have had trials and I like to call them the refiner's fire that that turns the not-so-beautiful metals the alchemy that happens that turns that into the beautiful piece of art so you know this is one of the most amazing human beings on the planet I know that <laughs> I'm very fortunate to get to spend all of my time with him but. You know, Gary's background is one that's very painful, very challenging. As a very young boy, six years old, Gary was living in Germany with his mom and his stepfather and a a half-brother, and as a little six-year-old, Gary was a uh, witness to the murder-suicide of his mom and stepfather. His stepfather took his mom's life, and then Gary witnessed his stepfather take his life and from that horrific tragic scene came some of the most beautiful things art language brilliance that will possibly ever grace our planet Gary's mom had spent a lot of time with him as a very small boy teaching him different art projects and crafts and encouraging him to express himself through those mediums. And what a blessing that after this horrific experience, he is brought back to Idaho and raised there in another kind of challenging situation that he was able to use those gifts and that way to express himself. And I want him to share that moment in first grade that really kind of changed what Gary life Gary Price was, and what his life was going to become. So share that if you will, honey.
1: Thank you, sweetie. Um, yeah, it it was really interesting coming back to the states. Uh, of course, that happened in Germany, and you know, we look back on our lives, and and the further down the the path and the journey we get, we look back and we we can connect the dots. You know, we can see how how certain people came in at certain perfect perfectly divinely orchestrated times that that were for our greatest highest good mrs anderson my first grade teacher you know i have this you know horrible event happen in germany and and then i come to the states and I, i've got a, a wicked stepbrother you know he 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 resented me coming into the family and stuff and and blah 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 and and anyway so there was a, a some issues there that were really, really challenging. That's going on at home. I go to school and Mrs. Anderson, bless her soul and heart, I will forever be grateful for her. She recognized the brilliance within me. She recognized that I had a talent that I had developed through my mother's mentorship in that. And it was drawing and it was painting. So I would end up creating something in this uh, safe place, first grade and she would come by she would see what I did and hold it up in front of the class and say look what Gary Price did and wow I'm going through all this mental conflict and trauma and here's this respite that is is building me it's giving me recognition it's giving me verification validation that I'm a good person that I have abilities. And I, I can't even begin to say how influential Mrs. Anderson, my first grade teacher, was upon the entire rest of my life.
0: Wow. You know, and so many of us have those moments that shifted us. But yes. listening to you share that with our listeners, um, I'm sure a lot of people resonated with a lot of things that you said. and. I guess I'm getting a grin on my face right now because I'm thinking of how we're all sculptors in a way. Gary, you're this brilliant sculptor. And we all have a responsibility to sculpt our own lives Mm, and create our own lives. So true. So true. And with our finances even, we have the opportunity to sculpt and mold what that looks like. Absolutely. And I want to hear a little bit more about you. Just just some of the things that you've been working on lately um let's save this one for for last yeah bet. i know we're totally baiting the audience here
1: but uh (laughs) tell me a little bit more about your career tell
2: them how you went from an artist to being a sculptor
1: well and absolutely i um one thing i wanted to mention when you're talking about um, building wealth and our financial resources and the creation of that it's really interesting. Um, just before I plunged deeply into college life, I just happened to come across a person that gave me a copy of Napoleon Hill's *Think and Grow Rich*. Oh yeah, it was fascinating because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right-brained. I'm, I'm thinking of all this stuff, and and all of a sudden, I get this book that once again, literally changed the course of my life, helped me realize that you know, in spite of my uh, meager beginnings and, and that, that life up in Idaho, that I could look at things in a way that I could not only prosper personally and, and benefit in so many ways, but I could pass that on to others. And that that was very very powerful to me because it, it helped me realize that I could be a successful artist. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just, you know, the starving artist syndrome. It was quite the opposite. So I, I throw that in there, just as you mentioned building wealth and stuff, and and how powerful of a of a you know book that was in my life.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. So
0: the uh, the career of being an artist and mm-hmm. being able to put these beautiful works of art out all over the world. What does that feel like?
1: <laughs> wow. It is without a doubt, one of the most rewarding, heartfelt feelings one could ever, ever have. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, as I look back and stuff, I there's been a lot of guilt that I have carried my entire life, and I, I think a lot of it goes back to the the time that, you know, my mother, when, when she was going through this trauma, came to me in my bedroom, got me up, brought me out into the front room and actually asked me, Gary, your stepfather and I have had a fight. I don't know what to do. And I literally told my mom, you know, because we were very tight, very close. I said, lock the door and don't let him back in. Well, that didn't happen. He came in and and all that, you know, tragedy ensued. But I think because of that and some other things, I've, I've carried a burden of guilt. And so to be able to, on a lot of different levels relive my childhood through my sculptures, um, pass that on to others, get letters from people that that you know such and such a piece inspired them or inspired their family or or gave them hope or or you know lifted their company to another level or whatever. It, it's, it's always, it's, it, it feeds my soul so deeply um, I, I almost feel myself getting emotional here just because I'm so grateful for it. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful that somehow in this journey that I've been able to do that. It's, it's exactly what I needed in order to, you know, overcome the, the craziness that, that happened way back at, you know, age six.
0: Yeah. And how beautifully you've overcome that. Um, the, the tragedies that, are, that show up in our lives. They're either tragedies or well, they're always tragedies, right? But it's how we look at them and how we yeah. shift that energy. It is. It, um, it, it absolutely. Einstein is. said something that just pops into my mind. He says the most important decision a human being can make is whether he lives in a hostile world or a friendly world. And this
1: oh, one of my so favorite that. favorite quotes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the same world that we all live in, but it's certainly how we view it you know, that helps us create what we actually have around us, you know, what we're experiencing.
1: Yes. And he said, there's, what was that other quote about miracles? You know, he says, there's two ways to look at things. Life's there's always miracles or there's never a miracle. Yeah. You know, and man, when we have our eyes open and we're in this creative zone of, 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 oh my gosh, you know, look at these amazing things that just keep happening over and over and over. And I keep meeting, you know, and, and doing, and, and being, it, it's a, there's a constant astoundment that, that uh, is so, so powerful and refreshing and always keeps us in that creative zone. One of, another one of my favorite quotes, Sean, is, is uh, by Picasso, wherein he said, every child is born an artist. The challenge is how to remain an artist once one grows up.
0: Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that before. I and it, and that. it's
1: so powerful because as a child, w- w- what's going on there? There are unlimited possibilities, right? Yeah. Constantly in creative zone. We can fly, we can soar, we can... There's no limits. You know, there are no limits. And and by losing that inner child, you know, as we grow up with, with so many of the burdens of life and that, we get out of that, that zone and that, uh, you know, that... that Slows us down, hampers our growth, gets us into doldrums instead of that constantly, you know, awareness that there are miracles every minute going on. I love that. So let's
0: transition from that into this, this idea of where, you know, the source of wealth really is. Because yes. that's the root of it, isn't it? It is. It's, it's inside us. It's coming from our being. No question. And the character that we have and other, you know, divine sources obviously. Yes. But the the choice that we have to not drag behind us the legacy of the tragedies. Mm-hmm. Right. But move forward and look to a bright future is is a responsibility that we have if and we really and a choice mm-hmm. a Absolutely. Big
1: choice yeah that that's that's the biggest thing and we'll talk about that later about Viktor Frankl but but the fact that, that that's that's where our, our true freedom lies and that is right you know right between our ears yeah the ability to choose and nobody can take that away from us and when we're when we're making positive choices when we're real realizing in a full awareness that it literally is in our hands It's in our lap. We can't, you know, we we can't blame it on anybody. You know, there's no scapegoats. It lies within us. Yeah. And when we can tap into not only our own personal power, but higher source and higher vibration and higher frequency, it is. Once again, it's unlimited, our our ability to create.
0: So you do this exercise with... um... An audience when you're in front of them and you've done this with large corporations where you do a visioning exercise. Yes. Would you just describe that real quick?
1: Ooh, I just feel tingles going on right now because it's <laughs> so fun. I, I do this, Sean, where where um I'll get a chunk of my clay that's been in my studio for a long time. You know, I've got thousands of pounds of clay and it's all oil-based clay. So it's always in a state of moldability and flux. And I'll grab a bunch of these chunks of clay that have that have been in lots of different sculptures, you know, through the years, you know, maybe a couple of hundred different sculptures. Grab this clay, put it in a, in a, you know, a manageable chunk. I call them these little logs, and I pass them out. I pass these. Uh, everybody gets a piece of clay. And one of my first questions is, when is the last time that you played with clay? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> for most of them, it was watch. probably a long time. Yeah, for for ninety percent of them. Oh, it was kindergarten. It was like. Oh my gosh! It's been like thirty years, forty years, you know, and it, it's just astounding to to see people get this smile on their face and go back when they used to do that, and uh, and then we go through the, this cool, cool exercise. It's kind of a meditation that I do. And first, I have them get that clay, and the the more they handle that clay and put their body warmth into it and their energy, you know, I say you're putting your energy into this clay. I say I've been a steward of it for a few years. Now it's your stewardship. What are you going to do with it? And they start putting their energy into it, and it gets softer and softer, and then uh, and then some magic happens. I say, okay, now close your eyes. Go into your go into your mind and go into this go to this safe place where there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. What you're doing is just perfect for you. So they go back to this beautiful, safe place. And then I say, okay, now I want you to envision with your mind's eye something that you would like to manifest or create in the future. And it can be anything. You know, it could be a, for kids, it could be a bicycle. You know, for somebody, it could be a, a stack of $100 bills. For somebody else, it could be a Porsche, you know, whatever it is.
2: Relationship.
1: A relationship. It could be a quality. You know, man, maybe you want to be kinder you want to lend more service you want to you know heal something you know in the past or whatever with somebody else so i have them i have them visualize that and and start thinking okay now what does that feel like you know and then then they start tapping into their heart and feelings and emotions and and then it starts getting that passion and things that really really touch our soul I say okay now imagine that now start creating it in clay i say can you see it can you visualize it can you feel it and they'll start sculpting things out of out of clay and a lot of times it's like a they're in such a kind of a trance like cool safe state that they don't even know what they're creating and they end up opening their eyes and like oh my gosh look what i just made it was a heart and And then after at at the end, and I'm going through this really, really quickly, you know, it's about an hour exercise or so. But at the end, I have people share. And that's when the magic happens, it gets emotional. People are sharing their hearts and their souls.
0: Now you're taking business people. This is corporate America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They yeah. tend right. to be you know pretty <laughs> yeah. guarded and straight laced and
1: starched. Yeah, all the facades
0: and all, and the all of walls a sudden that emotion is there where they've oh. experienced that creation.
1: Yeah, it's it's just amazing. I mean, and every time we do this, it, it just I, I'm I'm just uh, pleasantly surprised at what people end up creating and these little icons and clay that they end up with and what they symbolize.
2: And the feedback when they call us back or reach back out to Gary with their success stories. Oh, yes.
1: That's really exciting. We we end up finding out that, uh, you know, because I'll always put a time to it. I'll say, okay, what would you like to manifest in your life? Uh, Let's pick uh, four months or let's pick three months or six months. Done it enough now that it's coming back to me that it takes half the time. Really? And here's one of the reasons why. I tell them... Okay, your little icon, your little clay thing that you created, put it somewhere where you see it all the time. Okay, it could be in the mirror, stuck on the mirror, it could be on a mantle, whatever. And, and this is one of the things that, that uh, the book Think and Grow Rich really talks about, uh, your, our subconscious mind. Right. yeah. You know, tapping into that resource, that power that is within us all and that we can get more from higher source. Once you tap into that, our, our brains are magic. You know, they're problem solving, they're, they, they, they get on, on something and they just don't give up relentlessly. You know, day and night, they're figuring out these problems. And so they have this thing in front of them that they see all the time, their subconscious takes over. And I tell people, I say, now, I promise you this is going to happen. You can't stop it. Your brain is taken over and, and, and it's just going to materialize so cool so fun yeah
0: i did that experience with you in san diego and that was my first first time Uh and that's exactly what i experienced Mm -hmm. it was going back to that you know being a child where you peel off all of those um the layers of doubt and frustration that you've built up you know in, in your life experience if we could do that all the time if we could take away the limiting beliefs that we have if we could just Peel off all of this self-doubt and the the negative judgment. talk, and
1: guilt mm-hmm. and shame. What comes and, yeah. out of
0: us? Incredible things. <gasps> what could yeah. we create? Unlimited. Yeah. So that experience is—it's fun to hear about that and see a, an artist help others who have somewhat lost that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a privilege, isn't it?
1: It, it really—it really is. It's it's a, a great honor to be able to help people tap into that experience and you know it came about a few years ago um a lady uh called me up in my uh to my studio and said um every year I do an art activity with my family I take them to a museum or 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 somewhere she said could we hire you for a weekend you know and so I had this whole family come into my studio and I got looking around what am I gonna share with them I got looking and every one of my sculptures I end up creating these little thumbnail sculptures you know a little thumbnail sketch of it and then it was like oh my gosh I I just take this for granted you know I start out with a little teeny thing that has no detail it's just a very basic gesture that it ends up becoming a public monument or some you know 50-foot sculpture or whatever and it's like this is a very quantifiable measurable um, methodology that I could share with others and it's, uh, it's pretty powerful.
0: So the act of visioning, being able to see what we can create, yeah. and then the act of creation, where do those two meet? Any thoughts on
1: that? Say that again.
0: Well, we, we have the opportunity to envision things, yes. Mm-hmm. and then we've got to do. Mm-hmm. And in your experience, what is it that most people lack in that connection. That might not be something that you've given much thought to. It might be something that comes very natural to you.
2: I'll touch on it because I know I know what it is to me. I know that, and for a lot of people that I've witnessed in Gary's seminars, I know that if they can envision it in their mind's eye, it just comes out. They can create it. Yeah. So what I would say would be that the very first step is to get really clear about what you want to create. If you don't have a goal, you'll never get there. So get really clear. And if it's financial wealth, get really clear on what a dollar amount is. Don't just say, I want to make more money this year. Say, I want to make $287,000 more money
0: this
1: year. Be very specific. Mm -hmm.
2: And get very specific about it. Because once you tell your mind what you want it to do, it, that's what manifests.
1: Yeah, so that, that's a very good point, Lisa. So we're talking about a clear vision. When, when you can envision something, well, and, and it's with this exercise, I, I, have them, I, I have them turn this little object that they're creating upside down. I say, look at it from above, hold it up, look at it from below, go inside it, envision the detail, what color is it, what does it feel like? And the more clarity they get with that thing that they're creating, it, it it's like it's like creating a blueprint, you know, an architect. They will draw everything to infinite detail. And when you get done, you have this blueprint. But but you're absolutely right. It, it's the clear vision from the from the beginning. Nice. And and one of the things, too, is once you have a basic idea, then the vision can can become more clear as you go you know you don't need everything perfectly solved you don't need all those details in that Um, a lot of artists will come to me um, you know through the years and that and they they want to know how to sculpt whatever a certain subject matter I say you know forget the detail Uh, you know what's that little saying we can't see the the forest forest for the trees trees. Mm -hmm. you know and so many beginning artists I want to jump right into the the eyelashes and the hair and and all that stuff. I say, no, the most important part is that very, very basic elemental, you know, lowest common denominator um, beginning. And then it can grow, and then it can develop, and then you can keep adding upon it. And, and that the, the method that I sculpt with, with this clay, it's called the additive method. You know, you keep adding something. It's not the marble where you take away whatever isn't shouldn't be there. You keep adding things to it. So and, and that it's such a great paradigm of life, you know. Life is a process. We do continue to add and and grow and experience, and that's that's you know that's the way we live. Beautiful and
0: said from a master, a true master. Let's let's take another little zag in our conversation here. I love zigs and zags. <laughs> um, I th- I think that there's potentially a lot of value to our listeners there with that that metaphor. Uh, because we really are sculpting our lives. And there's really nothing uh, holding us back from what we want to accomplish than ourselves. Yeah. In front of us is this sculpture of the Statue of Responsibility. And I'm not quite sure uh, how I can best describe this to our, our listeners. So go online, and, and you can actually go to org. But if you just envisioned two clasped hands, one coming from below and one coming from above, this sculpture is very iconic. It's an image that um, probably uh, is universal. I I can't imagine Mm -hmm. it not being universal. How did this come about?
1: One of the most amazing stories ever. I wanted to mention one thing. When you said zigzag, it just reminded me that zigzag is a a line that is motion and movement. You know, it's like it's (laughs) like lightning. It's like energy. And and so many times we get on this horizontal plane, you know, where it's just mmm, but zigzag, you know, and it's it's movement. So um,
2: we live life in zigzag. I love it. (laughs) So do I.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. It it makes it really fun. But. Wow, so how did this come about? Um, once again, I would say it's uh, definitely in higher hands, no pun intended, with the, the nature of the actual sculpture itself, which is, as you mentioned, the two hands that are clasped. Um, I'm an eighth Cherokee. My grandmother was, uh, of course, half Cherokee, half French. And one of the strongest grips that Native Americans make is they don't clasp hand to hand. It's wrist to wrist. And when you're in that hand clasp and then you pull, it's extremely strong. It's like grabbing a knot, you know. And so it's a very, very strength-inducing grip. Uh, One of the things with the statue, too, I wanted to point out, it's a right and a left hand. And, And... one of the things that we love to talk about is responsibility begins with us. This is a hand clasp that you can do yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you grab your right and your left hand, and you clasp it, and it creates a circle that goes right back to you. But the way it came about, and and I – oh, man, there's so many things. I just get so excited. I don't know where to start. There's this guy named Viktor Frankl, okay? And what did he go through? You know, he went through these massive tragedies. My gosh, he was a – Famous psychologist and ends up getting into the prison camps of Auschwitz and, and, you know, just all these horrible tragedies. He loses his first wife, his unborn child, his parents. All these horrible, horrible things happen to him. Um, And I'll throw in here later, he says, that which endures light or that which giveth light must endure burning. Wow. I mean, geez, you know, just just that one quote. But he went through all these horrible tragedies, just like many of us have. And somehow Victor and I end up coming together to create this thing. It was Victor that said, you know, based on experience, you guys in America, you have your freedoms. We did too. You got to be responsible with those freedoms or you can lose them. I experienced that personally, you know, Victor said. That's powerful. It's so powerful. And, and the, of course, the book that he ends up that that is one of the ten most influential books on the planet, through this harrowing experience, he ends up writing Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, just the title of that book alone, Man's Search for Meaning. That, doesn't that just, you know, oh, yeah. that, that just says it all. I mean, we're always on this search, and, and what do things boil down to? So in this book on page 132... He ends up saying, I recommend that the Statue of Liberty in America be supplemented with a statue of responsibility on the West Coast. So he he saw the value, knew the value of freedom, also saw the net result of not being responsible with those freedoms.
0: Now that's about the point where a lot of our listeners probably went, huh? I've never heard about this. Yeah. Right. They're going
2: to very soon. <laughs> but
0: I'm sure a lot of them were on the edge of their seat. Right. The Statue of Liberty is an iconic image that that you know is symbolic of freedom.
1: Yes. Liberty. One of the most well-known powerful symbols on the planet. Yeah. And you're saying that Victor Frankl
0: envisioned a bookend statue on yeah. the other side of the United States? which would represent responsibility. Correct. And responsibility might have different meanings to different people. Yes. Let's dig into that a little bit.
1: Okay. And and first of all, let me clarify. Many people don't know that the Statue of Liberty, um, Auguste Bartholdi originally named it, and of course it is its name still, Liberty Enlightening the World. You know, yes, it's in America. Yes, France built it, gifted it to Americans but it's it's a world icon liberty enlightening the world and so for for victor to have that vision and and what a visionary you know he could see that big picture um to say wow to bookend the nation i mean what a what a brilliant concept you know who would have thought of that and he he um started talking about this in the 60s and 70s when america was going through this you know Free this and free that and <laughs> and you know, kind of on many levels yeah, no responsibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, there were great things that came out of the sixties and seventies, we all know that. But there were also some some things that needed some adjustment and fine tuning in that. And Victor recognized that. And so um, you know, the concept and then and then you're absolutely right. How do you depict responsibility with a sculpture? You know, that, that was one of the big questions when, when I was asked to, to create my design of it. It's like, well, gosh, there could be a lot of different ways. And I didn't really know if my design fully depicted that to others until we flew to Vienna in 2004 and I got to meet Mrs. Frankel and several of her family members. And that meeting in, in Vienna was so crucial and critical to this whole movement. And that's why we're still going with it, because it, it was her endorsement in Victor's study, in their flat in Vienna, that confirmed to me, okay, I'm on the right path. Wow. Once again, we've come together and somehow, this being in higher hands, we've come up with a design. So she takes me in to Victor's study. I, I hand her a, a 17-inch version, of my design. And, you know, and I don't know what to think. I don't know if she's going to say, well, that's, that's a cute sculpture. That's nice. But, you know, thank you very much. And, and that, or what she'd do. So she looked at it and and she's handling it. And she says, Gary, come here. I want to show you something. I'm like, "Whoa, what, what's, what's going to ensue here? She takes me into Victor's study and it's, it's it's a big study and it is absolutely wall to wall ceiling to floor filled with books and in the middle of one of these bookcases she she's leading me to this this niche and she says i want to show you victor frankl's favorite piece of art <laughs> and i went oh really and i i i could see this niche it was about two foot by two foot, leather clad, white leather, um, you know, that, that surfaced the, the niche. And in this niche was a little statue It was probably about, I oh, don't 12, 18 inches tall. And she said, Gary, reach up and grab that statue. And I'm like, wow, this, you know, I, I was a little nervous, very nervous. What it was, it was a bust of a man reaching toward the heavens. Both hands extended, reaching up. Hmm. I take it down, I'm holding it, and uh, boy, once again, I, I feel some emotions coming here. And she said, Gary, Victor would use that as a metaphor for responsibility. And I said, how so? She said, he would ask, where's the hand reaching down? Wow. And she said it's the concept that we're not alone. Yeah. You know, that we have a literal responsibility towards each other. That's beautiful. Whether you believe it, it's God reaching down man to man, woman to woman, whatever it is, we need to connect. We need to come together. And when we do that, we can serve each other. We can help each other. We can be responsible towards each other. Uh,
0: You know... I could let you keep going and keep going with this story. Uh, forgive me for stopping you there, but um, as I think about that, you know, a statue like this—it's—it's going to be 300 feet tall. It's going to be the same height as the Statue of Liberty, yes. right? Uh-huh. And the Statue of Liberty is this iconic image for for us in the United States, but it's also a very iconic image throughout the world. Right. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. And so. I just keep thinking about how this will also be that iconic image for the rest of the world. And when we start talking about responsibility, nothing is free. Nothing that we have is really free. Um, there, there's a price, a there's sacrifice. There's always a price. Yes. And a lot of times we become very complacent. We think that our, our liberties are our right, our liberties, our freedom. You know, We've been given yeah. this gift. Yeah. But it's something that we need to honor. It's a sacred stewardship, if you will. It's a responsibility. Exactly. My money, your money, all, all of our our wealth that we have, you know, put our blood, sweat, and tears into creating. It isn't about the money. It's about the stewardship of that responsibility. Isn't no it? question. So when well you said. start talking about responsibility, this this is huge for me because everything um, that is easily I forget the saying, but if if we receive it easily a lot of times we take, it for, granted. take, it, take, for take granted. it for granted right and if you look at wealth in in generations or the transfer of wealth through generations it's very often where the third or fourth generation no longer has that wealth
1: right it gets squandered it, they yeah they don't honor that stewardship
0: and with our freedom we're sort of at not sort of we are the very much threshold. at that mm-hmm. that same threshold where mm-hmm. we've taken it for granted And it is our responsibility to ask ourselves, what's my role in that? And so when I look at this, it just gets me excited. And I think it does for just about everybody that I've ever, I've never met anybody who this image didn't impact.
2: Right down to kindergartners. Yeah. We've done assemblies in elementary schools and everybody, no matter the age, understands what it means.
0: And many of them I've seen brought to tears. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And one more point I'd like to bring up right now is that everybody has both the left and the right hand, right? Mm-hmm. So we all have an opportunity to be both. Think of a time in your life. I love this. This is this is one of the most powerful representations of the statue. But think of a time in your life when you have been the hand reaching up. We've all needed help at a certain point in our lives. Yeah and think about what that felt like to have someone actually reach down and help you. And now many of us are blessed to actually get to be that hand that gets to reach down and think about that beautiful feeling and what that feels like. Wow. So we're hoping to instill a desire to be both.
0: So this is a big vision. And this is this is not a, a small order.
1: It's a big vision, but it's a very simple vision. You know, it's once again getting down to the fundamentals of mankind, of humanity, of what makes us tick, mm-hmm. you know, what, what gives us the deepest satisfaction on the deepest core level. It is. It is helping each other. It's being together. It's being connected. And the, fur- the longer I live, the more I realize that we are connected. You know, we are so interconnected we can't even Im- imagine. I, I think of the movie um, uh, uh, Avatar. You know, it's so beautifully pointed out, our connection with everything on the planet, you know, nature, every living thing. And, and I don't know, it's just and another thing, less is more. You know, the, the, so many times things get so complicated, but it just boils down to one simple thing, and that is that uh, we, we are here together in in doing the research for a monument i remember first starting out thinking well what are the basic shapes on the planet you know you got the pyramids you got the eiffel tower you got these basic shapes and the less complicated you can make things the more powerful they are wow and and with this symbol i i wanted it to be unmistakable as to what it meant two clasped hands you can't confuse that I love it. Pretty simple.
0: You know, um, something I saw when I was reading Man's Search for Meaning, and my copy of Man's Search for Meaning is marked all up. Yes. But uh, I just want to read this because, you know, you can't hear these words without really getting a sense of where he was coming from. But this is really important for where we are in our progress. It says, Man can only live by looking into the future. Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it, um, and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success like happiness can be pursued, or cannot be pursued. And that's kind of what you're saying. Keep things simple, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself,
1: mm-hmm. or as
0: the byproduct of one's surrender
1: to a person
0: other than oneself. Mm, that's exactly.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, man. Man will work for a paycheck. He'll die for a cause. Yeah. And it, it's a state of being. You know, when when we're in that active state, that state of motion where we're being, everything else just flows and it comes to us. And I, I love the way he pointed that out. That so many times when we we have just one objective, we miss the whole. We miss the big picture. Right. And we fail to get there. The more we strive and
0: chase the more it tends to elude us. Exactly. He goes on, he says, There is no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. A lot Mm -hmm. of us went through a lot the last few years. That's right. There was a lot of loss. Wow, yeah. And we can't let that. We, We need to learn from that, and we need to move forward looking into the future. He says, Being human is being responsible, existential responsible existentially responsible, responsible for one's own existence. The attempt to develop a sense of humor and to see things in a humorous light is some kind of trick learned while mastering the art of living. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross, gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. He may remain brave, dignified, and unselfish. Or in the bitter fight for self-preservation, he may fight against uh, human dignity and become no more than an animal. Here lies the chance for a man either to make use of of, or to forego the opportunities of attaining the moral values that a difficult situation may afford him. And this decides whether he is worthy of his suffering or not. Wow,
1: isn't that powerful? I, I love the fact where he brings out humor. Anybody that gets on YouTube and they watch a, a video of Viktor Frankl, he was—he just had so much fun. <laughs> he did. Like, he's always laughing. His audience is always laughing. Yeah. He really, really got that. And of course, what happens when we laugh? We go back to inner child we creativity zone. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. So. You know the, the opportunity for all of us to recognize where that true source of wealth comes from, I think, is what really gives us the opportunity to um, transform our existence,
1: transcend and yes. transcend
0: yes, our existence, and the opportunity to be responsible with those decisions. Yes. So Gary, I, I applaud you. Um, I am Im- incredibly impressed. And uh, I want to give you as much support as I can with this project. And hopefully our listeners will go check it out and uh, feel the same way. Um, because this responsibility that we have is a responsible, responsibility that we have to each other.
2: And... Can I add one last thought you to You can that, add Sean? as much as you want. Just that it's not just our responsibility to each other. We also have a responsibility to the generations to come.
0: Oh, well said. This mm-hmm.
2: monument is not just about us. And it's not just a monument. It's also a movement. Yeah. So understand that we have not just a financial responsibility to ourselves, but also to... The generations to come. Well said. As well as we know that this will likely be, as far as we know, the very first monument on the planet dedicated to the future, Mm. where all other monuments are memorials to things that have happened in the past. This will be a green monument. It will be a monument that will teach principals about recycling and gardening and different ways that we can take care of our planet as well as ourselves. Financial responsibility will be taught there. It will be a movement that will go across the nation and then around the world, inspiring right down to little school children. We want them to donate cans and earn a dollar by donating aluminum cans because the skin of this 300-foot monument the statue of responsibility will be in recycled aluminum Beautiful. it's a beautiful analogy for where we're going with a monument and a movement but i want you to tie it back to to future generations and that we have that responsibility in many ways to our planet too
0: well and the responsibility that we have to future generations um, is one of the things we're so excited about here you know being an advocate for those that don't necessarily have a voice for themselves meaning when i'm meeting with clients and we're talking about you know their finances the opportunity for them to create something that could go on in perpetuity and leave a legacy because a legacy is much better you know we're, we're more equipped to live that legacy when we have means and all of us have that ability
2: right. to
0: leave that legacy with the tools and resources that we have available to us right now
2: you know, and I love the thought that money is really just money. Money's really important. And the thing that comes in second, what does my dad say? It's a long ways behind.
0: <laughs> a long ways behind. Yeah, behind
2: number one, money. But think about money this way. Money is just money until you actually realize what money does. And when you get really clear on what that legacy is that you want money to bring, it makes the creation of wealth fun. Mm. so rather that legacy is about grandchildren which for us that's a real big motivator we have 12 grandchildren so that's a really big motivator for us so yes we're all about creating wealth because we attach that money to creating education and creating a different lifestyle or creating security for grandchildren so
0: beautiful well you guys have done that well and I should say masters together. I'm very impressed with the two of you and the way you support each other. Mm, Thank you, Sean. Thank you for being here. Our pleasure. To all of our listeners, uh, we have revised our website, so go check out um, ParadigmLife.net. It uh, was good before. It's great now, and uh, we also uh, appreciate your feedback. So anything that you notice that... uh, you can share with us, as we're always trying to improve. And then check out the uh, Wealth Standard website, www.TheWealthStandard.com. And uh, live well and prosper. Amen. Thanks for joining us on The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial.